Justin, my girlfriend, Elena, said to me on, um, I think it was Friday night. She said something I really never expected to come out of her mouth. And she said, we should watch Star Wars. Oh, oh. Uh, so full disclosure. So we're going to we're going to Disney in June. Are you going to this Star Cruiser before it closes? LOL, no. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> no, uh, no. Um, but we're going to we're going to go to the, the like Galaxy's Edge whole thing there. Or I don't know if that's we're going to the, we're going to the Hollywood Studios one. Um, and she was like, "Well, we should probably we should probably watch both catch up on the Disney movies that we haven't seen at least some of them." Um, so like we've got a whole uh, gauntlet of. Um, Disney movies for me to watch because I, I just have not seen like a lot of the older animated princess ones. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, she, she's got her list of ones that are like, here are the ones you got to see, but then here are the ones, you know, skippable, whatever. Um, and, uh, but so she said, let's watch star Wars. And I was very taken aback, but the, the problem is Justin, if someone said that to you, where would you start? With star Wars. Yeah. Uh, episode four. Oh really? Yeah, because like you got to see the progression of it. Because I'm the I'm the kind of person that like with an experience like that, like where where's the good starting point? Phantom Menace, the, arguably one of the worst. <laughs> that's the question, right? Like that's what I was sort of grappling Force, with. Force Awakens, which means nothing unless you know everything that came before it. Right. Like there's just too much stuff there, and I think. I honestly am going to sit here and I'm going to honestly say Star Wars Episode 4 stands on its own as a great movie that you don't have to have context for in order to enjoy it. For its time, it was way ahead of its time. Um, It was incredibly watchable then and still to this day where I feel like, I mean, you can't like obviously people will argue that Episode 5 is the best episode, but like you can't start with Episode 5. That doesn't make any fucking sense. So like you got to start with 4 and then you just go through the the timeline of when they are released because that is like what happened with them <laughs> if you just sure. like scrub the other stuff out i think it kind of ruins the context of what it is to be star wars the problem is there's so much stuff out there that is now required viewing for star wars that it's impossible to really like make at a certain point once you get past the movies a good like suggestion of where to go because i would argue four five and six gotta watch seven go ahead right in there you don't whatever maybe stop after that but like the going to the prequels i don't know if i would recommend you have to go to the prequels no you i mean you could like in five minutes explain the phantom menace and then go into clone wars which i might recommend not the movie version the cartoon version of clone wars so here's what i did okay what what was your what was your canon explanation of this? <laughs> I was like, okay, I was like, Elena, what you like? I basically explained to her similar to what you just sort of laid out. Like, what you just asked me, Elena, is like, it's kind of a big question, <laughs> and it's kind of hard because, you, like, right? Like, do we start in the Phantom Menace, a movie that I find to be joyless for the most part, or do we do we go to the original trilogy and then you know what i mean like yeah yeah what i went with was i said okay here's the deal we are going to watch the final 10 minutes of the phantom menace cuz that will just set up everything else that we're going to see here tonight and we're going to watch attack of the clones it is not a good movie but like spider-man 3 
It is an extraordinarily enjoyable movie if you go into it saying, okay, this is going to be bad. But if we rank and rate all of the outfits that Padme wears, (laughs) if we pause it every time you have questions and I say, that's a great question. You're going to take that with you to your grave. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like every time she's like, how did he know that? I'm like, he... You will wonder this forever. <laughs> and it will, won't stop. It won't stop. Or she or she like would pause it and be like, she would have all these questions about the force and like the logistics of the force. But like, hold on. Or like the Jedi Order. Like, hold on a second. Like, you're not allowed to love romantically, but you can like love like Anakin lo- and Obi-Wan love each other. Or like they say they do. Like they're like, he's his dad, basically. Right. Like, so he's got to like love him. I'm like, that's a great question. There, There's no answer. There is no answer. Um, so we had a good time with that. And I think that was the way to go because she, I'll say this. She is like, she sees the edits on TikTok, mm. the, the, the like Hayden Christensen, uh, Ewan McGregor edits on TikTok, And so like, that's why I was like, we should, we could start here. You'll get a little, like, it'll be funny to talk about and like joke about like, what the fuck? How would anyone know this? It, it would be enjoyable to just like, to watch Anakin with his absolutely no charisma, just like find himself in a romance with natalie portman you know what i mean yeah um you're because i think i think episode three is also enjoyable it's less bad i would say and also just more it it also has a lot of that like how did you know that or like why would you (laughs) yeah why did you do this you know what i mean the force man yeah yeah you're making me look at myself like when when it comes time for um me to explain my 12 star wars tattoos to my kid and he's like why are you why do you have these and i'll be like well let me let me let me tell you the about the star war like how am i going to yeah. start that like how like like that's rough because by the time i have kids i'm going to be like you know maybe like 65 at that point in my life and like i'll have to like think of like right now yeah like people who love star wars they 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 suffered through a lot to finally get some good ass shows like Obi Wan. Yep. You know what I mean? Like sure. You didn't, or Kenobi. Sorry, you didn't like Kenobi. No, nah, not really. You didn't like it. Um, not really. But and even for me now, I get a heck of a lot of enjoyment out of the prequels because Clone Wars and Rebels and yep. Bad Batch have added so much context to yes. what those are that I legitimately feel like they've created this full interesting world but like this has been a a 32 year struggle of my life for me to like love star wars i don't got 32 years with my kids i gotta get that quick their attention is like that so i think you did like you don't need to explain it to kids though i think kids would like i think you put kids down and they watch the fans i loved the phantom menace as a kid did you watch any of the other ones before it yeah, I would like like I remember I remember seeing all of them except for Phantom Menace in theaters, you know. Yeah. Um, and and like just loving that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so like I, I think kids because at a certain you know how like when you're a kid you don't like know if something's good or bad or not you just like well, you just fun. love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I think you just when your kid asks you about you know your Darth Maul face tattoos that you're gonna get like y- y- I think you'll be able to to say. Let's sit down. Let's watch. Let's watch a little film I like to call the Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> how, about, no, how about you do that? I'm gonna do laundry. I'm gonna do. All right. All I got. All I got is Duel of Fates, man. The one song, yeah. no matter what, that's the best thing that happened to that. Star Wars would not be the same without Duel of Fates, in my opinion. Absolutely agree. This is the show. It's Headbox. What's in the fucking box?
going on, everyone? Welcome back to Hitbox, episode number 146. You, if you are uh, plugged into the video game news cycle at all, might be saying, why do they spend 10 minutes talking about Star Wars when there is a lot of fucking news to talk about? And it's because we don't turn it off. It's because we don't turn off the the fun little conversations just because there's some news, just because Lord of the Rings Gollum scored like a 20 on Metacritic or whatever. I the disc. I assume you said something fun. The Discord. No, I was just making Gollum grunts into the mic. So you you've been saved from the pain of everyone else. Yeah, Discord sort of muted that for me. (laughs) They knew, Uh, but I'll hear it when I edit. I will hear that later tonight when I do edit this show. Um, My name is Peter Hunspitzek, and joining me as always is my wonderful friend and co-host Justin Makovich. How are you, man? What's going on? Did Did you have a good Memorial Day? I did. I went. I went. I saw. A minor league baseball game with some Ooh, friends. Okay. Saw, saw the girlfriend's family for that's the first time fun. in a while. That's it that's was a great time. That's great. Um, I wanted to grill, but uh, they're doing construction on my porch, and it was supposed mm. to be done like a week and a half ago, and we are still almost in the uh, two and a half week territory here, and I still don't have a porch, and I can't go on it. They've screwed my door shut, so I, if I wanted to go out on the porch in case of a fire, my fire escape couldn't use it, but I'm fine. Oh I don't. Need, I don't need a porch. So I indulged any way I could, um, and I got I got some. I just grilled up some franks for myself um, mm. instead of like on the stove, like the boring way. But I always, I am always on the hunt for new and unique flavors of things. Yes. And do you know what my favorite flavor of Dorito is? I don't. Are you a chili lime kind of guy? No, it's even more obscure. The tangy pickle. For about a Ooh. month, Meyer carried the tangy pickle, which is popular in Canada. They carried it. And I got it every time I went there. I ate way too many tangy pickle Doritos. So every now, now every time I go to Meyer, I will always walk through the chip aisle and look for a new flavor for those tangy pickles. Haven't found it since that one glorious month, but they did have two flavors, Peter. Yeah, what you got? I, I, you said you had props. Which, by the way, there is a one hundred percent chance that we talked about this pickle flavored Dorito at some point on our show over the past two years. This isn't about the pickle, because I would have been a much happier person. By the way, Red Velvet Oreos, too. If there are tangy pickles and Red Velvet Oreos, if they are are at the Meyer, I am buying them all. Sure. So, first one. What you got? Tangy ketchup. Oh. Tangy ketchup. How is that? And then the second one, because, you know, what what comes after after some lightning? Blissful mustard. Yeah, you got your hot Hot mustard. mustard. That That one, I bet, is probably pretty good. So, my I'm going to make an argument here that yeah. I would prefer tangy ketchup over regular nacho cheese. Wow. And okay, listener, just so you know, that might be a controversial statement. I've never been a fan of the nacho cheese, but Cool Ranch Dorito, I, I eat that. That's number one, not even close. Wow, interesting. T- tangy pickle, Cool Ranch. Yeah. But... These are some of the worst fucking ones I've ever had. These hot mustard ones. They are disgusting. Oh, really? <laughs> it is like if you take the color yellow off of <laughs> off of your mustard and you put it on a chip and you add a little spice afterwards. It is like it's undeniably mustard, but it's all the wrong parts <laughs> of mustard with a little undeniably unnecessary mustard. spice. Undeniably. And like you even uh, look at you even look at the chip. Um, I'm holding it up here. It is like a gross yellow. Like yeah. it literally looks like like it is the fake. It, it looks like it's glowing in my hand because of how yellow it is. Um, so I would not recommend the uh, hot mustard, but the, the ketchup, tangy ketchup. It tastes like a nice mild ketchup. It tastes it pairs real well with a hot dog. 
Maybe, oh, maybe if you're eating a, a burger, a hamburger. Um, these pair well with nothing. The mustard ones, not a thing goes with this thing. It what deserves. What if you put that on a burger? I'm sure it would make you, it you worse. You never put it like ruin... potato chips on a, you know. Oh, yeah, you can do that. I think it would ruin it. It is such a unique taste that permeates every form of logic in my brain. And Ugh. if you are a fan of the hot mustard uh, Dorito, please explain to me what you've eaten in your lifetime to get to this point because I need to get there because this is this hurts. This hurts. I'm sorry to hear it. I truly am sorry to hear it. Yeah. Um, but, Justin, you know what I'm not sorry to hear about? All of the incredible video game news <laughs> that so much. Uh, broke this past week. Here's a preview of what's coming up. 2023 has some well-reviewed video games, believe it or not. The Last of Us Factions 2 has been hit with a delay before even getting a release date. And The Lord of the Rings Gollum is one of the worst, uh, is one of the year's worst games, shocking millions. All of those stories and more are coming up. Before we get to all of that, here's a reminder. Jump into our Discord server. The link to that is in the description of this episode. You can support us monetarily on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash hitboxpod. Become a $1 podcast producer or a $3 deluxe podcast producer like Jay Noll and like Dave Parker every single week. They get an additional 30-minute bonus episode um, about... All sorts of stuff. Last week, it was it was like an hour. It was like maybe like an hour and a half where we uh, sort of broke down every single thing that uh, got announced at the PlayStation Showcase, which we will also be talking about a little bit today. Um, but if you're interested in something like that, patreon.com slash hitboxpod. Become a $3 podcast or deluxe podcast producer. If you can't support us like that, all good. Twitter.com slash hitboxpod. Follow us there. We'd love to uh, see you over there, and you can tweet at us your thoughts or your feelings. It could be about video games, could be about the episode, could be about literally anything. We'll talk about it. We clearly just we talked about tangy ketchup Doritos, um, which I would want to try both of those. By the way, oh, I would, yeah, I yeah. would absolutely get this. Uh, one's on my desk, and I keep looking at it, wanting to eat it. There's one I don't like it, but I want. I, don't, I need, it, don't I do need it. to eat it, and it'll be in the microphone, so it'll be a double a double don't doink do for everyone. But a double doink for everyone, and I don't. I, and no thanks. How about that? <laughs> I'll chew it real me, slow here's me, too. The, here's me, the editor of the episode, cutting that out immediately. Justin, <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to talk about the games that came out this week? Let's do it. Metacritic Very much like with Star Wars, it's tough to know where to start when looking huh. at the video games that came out this past week. Uh, there's four of them, four big ones, um, but we got to start somewhere. Let's let's start with a, a not quite such a heavy hitter with uh, the System Shock remake. This launched exclusively on PC this past week. Um, uh, today it launched. Uh, by the time you're hearing it, you'll be able to check this out if you so please. Uh, on PC, it scored a 76. So you've got some people saying that they are... Um, happy with the way that it re uh remade the original game <clears throat> uh and then you've got a handful of people who um just weren't so uh keen on some of like the when you remake an old game sometimes that old game stinks sticks around you know what i mean yep um and so you've got a handful of people saying that it's it's not really um doesn't really hold up in in modern modern times what do you think about this are you interested in this no, I mean, I think it it seems to me like it's yeah, obviously it's a remake, but it, they didn't take the love and the care to like really go at it and like fix a lot of its old problems and like make it like a good version of that game. But I think even System Shock was one of those games that people talked about more fondly in the fact that, oh, I was there when it came out and then it became what everyone talks about in Bioshock. Right. So like I think 
the people who liked it had the nostalgia for playing this game. I don't think it ever necessarily was this awesome game. I think that this game probably this represents something that I think we've seen a handful of different times with remakes of, of many different scopes, right? That system shock as a game now probably doesn't hold up super well, but what it was at the time and what it represented at the time in games was a big deal. You know what I mean about yeah. it, it being, I think it's like, it's an immersive sim, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like an immersive sim RPG kind of thing. Um, in like a cyberpunk space station and all that sort of stuff. Uh, for gaming what that represented then was probably huge and so exciting now because we've played all sorts of different immersive sims and and seeing how those systems can sort of work together to create a really really interesting unique feeling world i i don't know if it if it holds up in that way also a handful of these reviewers have, have talked about some uh some pretty substantial like uh uh, uh bugs and and performance issues and stuff like that which always is a uh Always sad to hear, but um, if you were looking forward to replaying System Shock, though, this does seem like uh, something that's going to breathe a new life into it for you. But for someone like me, never played the original, uh, don't have a whole lot of interest in the series, although I've heard a lot about System Shock 2 specifically. uh, I I don't know if this is um, a must play, but. And I mean, it's not horrible, too. I would say, like, if you are interested in it and if you've yeah, heard about oh, it, sure. this is this is the way to play it. I'm sure this is going to be better than any uh, older version that you play of it. Um, but like, you know, old games are old, I think, means that for a lot of reasons. And like when you have a, a, a chance to update a game, um, you can make those updates to it to make it more modern. This one, yeah. I just don't know if all of those things came together or, you know, when you're actually modernizing a game that is like hard to modernize, like, you know, it's, it probably needed a little bit more work than a, a, a new graphics system to it to, to make it really a special game. But Hey, it, I, I, I think you and I are firmly believers that 76 is not a bad score. Like, that's the thing. I think it just, it comes with a caveat. Like, a recommendation comes with a caveat, right? Of, like, who this is for or whatever. Uh, I'll say this. In terms of immersive sims that have come out this year, between this and Redfall, it seems like this is the game to, re- to recommend. You know what I mean? It's so hard I don't to wanna, call Redfall I don't immersive hear, sim. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Like, that's the thing. It's just, like, it pretends to be by saying, like, you can play your way. I'm sorry just, for the not. person immersed in that sim. You know what I mean? Imagine his world. Imagine imagine the uh, the cartoon nightmarish hellscape that they live in to be immersed by that sim i wonder what like how many people are still playing that do you think uh it can't uh, be I many am, right i'm playing it every night are you really oh wait no sorry it's tears of the kingdom i'm just redfall steam numbers because it's like 40 steam db 46 holy shit <laughs> 93 people are playing right now. <laughs> oh, man. I was off off by 50%. I'm on, um, although, but on Steam. Oh, why would you play it on Steam? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's for people who bought it. Because although the, it didn't come out more than a month ago, and a month, the all-time peak was 6,000 players. But that's, that's, that's still, not super. That's still bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I still think like the numbers of people who've played it or downloaded it are going to be misleading because I don't think I would have necessarily been likely to play that game right when it came out until the the news was what it was and then I was like now I need to see this car wreck in action yeah and, and I like the news is what it is and I'm glad I don't have to pay full price for this thing. Uh, sp- speaking of car wrecks, what's our next game on the Metacritic Roundup? 
Oh, Justin, you're talking about Lord of the Rings Gollum? Lord of the Rings colon Gollum? <laughs> a, a fish a fish eating tail? <gasps> oh, man. If, um, that, if that was really the colon in it, I would love this game. So, um, Lord of the Rings Gollum. On PC, it scored a 41. Uh, unscored on Xbox Series X. And 35 on PS5. Uh, unscored on PS4. Uh, and unscored on Xbox One, although it is available on all of those co- uh, consoles, basically anywhere except for the Switch right now. But um, it's coming out on Switch, right? Is it? I don't know. I hope it does. Imagine how that this, runs. This game is not good, but basically by everyone's standards. Um, I, I've watched a lot of uh, uh, <laughs> reviews for this because I'm curious, right? Like it's sort of been a butt of a joke that we've we've talked about basically since the show started because we've heard about this game for fucking ever, right? Um, but like. Wow, this game looks bad. A lot of the reviews, I sort of like call it in this way, and, and I really appreciate it. Basically saying like, this sort of game doesn't come out anymore. Like it's this like sort of double A game that's tied to some big franchise that's just a complete mess, both technically because it is just not a well-performing game. It is not a good looking game. It is not a game that like, it, it, like on a technical level, it's just not great. And then in terms of like actually being a game, it's just like not very well thought out from what it looks like. <laughs> like the stealth is really bad. The the um, like most of the time you're just like hanging out, like doing chores in a, in like a prison. Um, it sounds terrible. It looks terrible. I'm mad this isn't on Game Pass because I want to play this and talk about it. But I know I'm not I want to play. I, I would play never it. pay full pro- price for something like this. I want to play it so bad. I think. Um, the outlet Vandal says it best in their review. They gave it a 40 out of 100 or a 2 out of 5. Yeah. And they yeah. said, quotation forthcoming. I feel like that really sums up what truly the game truly, is. Like, like what, what is there to say, right? Yeah, it's just, yeah. just too big to really it's say just, anything, It's right? coming. We'll get a quote out there one of these days. Um, I, I always, I'll, yeah, what's it? I, I heard the, um, one of the things about it is that the audio is like bad in terms oh, of yeah. like where it sounds like it's kind of a stealth game sort of. That's really what the mechanic is, except it's really bad stealth. So imagine like every one of those like instant death, uh, stealth games that you play that you hate. Uh, imagine that for the whole game, but then imagine that instead of like creepily hearing voices the whole time, it's just full up volume of the characters all at once in your ears. Like there's not even distance between you and them. Like things like that. I mean, not only is the game not fun to play, the game is, doesn't run super great. It doesn't look like it's been designed in a way that is clever or creative. And they even fucked up what Gollum looks like. He doesn't look like Gollum. Uh, that's like really interesting too. Like a lot of people are pointing out, like, "Hey, here's what the game looked like, like what Gollum looked like in like all the trailers and stuff." And like, here's what he looks like in in the actual game, and it just it looks terrible, man. Yeah, it <laughs> it looks just, really bad. And oh. yeah, like just just terrible. <laughs> I heard too um, that the audio. You talked about audio design. That like him running around, like his breathing noises are really loud. <laughs> and that, like yeah there's just like a lot of that in your ear the whole game um and that because he can sprint for like one second too and when he does he just spends like you know 20 seconds recovering from all that yeah um i guess th- though like this is about what i expected for this game because uh, a lot of the people who reviewed this like talk talk about like why this 
why this story in Lord of the Rings? Like, like there's so much to talk about with Lord of the Rings and, and so much you could put into a video game. Why do this specific story? Like, it's mentioned, right, in, in the, the beginning, like, I'm thinking of the movie specifically, about, like, Gollum told, uh, told Sauron's army that the ring is with the hobbits in the Shire, right? That, that's kind of all he said. But then he broke out of the, he broke out of Baradur, right? who cares? Like he just, he broke out. That's not an interesting story. You know what I mean? Like how, like he, he did, who cares? You know? Yeah. Um, what a mess. This thing looks Man. like a mess. I mean, and, and watching, watching videos of this is, is pretty good too. I, I recommend uh skill ups video. I, I, I tend to like his, his um, video reviews, but yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder if uh, Microsoft comes in to, uh, Day uh, Dalek Entertainment, um, and they're like, "Hey, we've seen the reviews. We'll give you two hundred thousand dollars. Put this on Game Pass. What do you say? <laughs> like, is I play would, it? Would they, I would I would play it immediately. In the, like in the same sort of like, uh, what is the word? Um, morbid curiosity. Curiosity. Yeah, yeah. Of in the same way I felt like I played Redfall. Of like, what the. F- Fuck yeah here. yeah yeah and um, i might for the first couple minutes think i actually like it and then i continue to play it and i'm like fuck am i what's wrong with me <laughs> i like playing bad games though like i do yeah because also this game like uh, the reason why i would play this too is because um this game seems to be like like really bad and i love i i hate a bland game i ne- i never know what to say about a bland game you know what i mean like you look at like there's so many games that you play they're just like nothing you know, whereas this game seems like it is so bad that it's really interesting to talk about. Oh, yeah. You know, I, it's I like love Redfall. Same thing. I love hating something more than I love loving something. That sounds problematic for me. But you know what I mean? Like, it's more fun, like specifically as a apart, writer. Like, what happened here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, as a writer, when I'm writing something, if I love something, it's like, oh, my God, I love it. Like, it, yeah, I, obviously, I'll say more. But like when you hate something. Boy, can you pick out every little detail? I also have found and not to make this games writer 101 you know what i mean but if you are interested in writing games criticism i have found that i when i was learning that sort of stuff um got way more out of playing really bad games than playing really good games because sometimes it's hard to say like why something works if you're if you're if you i found practicing on really bad games to be a lot better for me to learn to go like oh this doesn't work because this isn't fun and because this isn't fun it means that this isn't fun and like you you can sort of see the whole mechanism working whereas with good games sometimes it's hard to know where to start because you can't go like oh well because this works this works and this works because it all works really really well whereas like with bad games there's a lot of just like oh this is the linchpin sort of like making everything else worse around it. So I would love to play this, but I'm not going to pay. Because I think it's full price. I think it's $60. At I'd, least buy, I'd like, buy that. You know, I got I got a disposable income. Uh, I am, you know, I'm a, I'm a wealthy teacher. Um, I just keep making money. One of my students was like to me the other day, they were like, oh, are you looking forward to going home and not getting, and getting paid to do nothing all summer? And I was like, listen, I take less money each paycheck so I can make a livable wage over the summer, sir. I was going to say, because I know that teachers uh, in certain places have the option of like being paid over the summer for less over yeah. a year or yeah. like paid Which, during the school year, right? It might sound great in theory being like, I get paid all that money at the same time, but then you get to the summer no, and you're no, like, no. <laughs> uh, 
um, by the way, yes, Lord of the Rings Gom is being sold for um, seventy for sixty dollars. Oh damn it! But hold it on a second. This also this listing is for a Switch version of the game, which says it's out, but it's not listed here on Metacritic. Interesting. I bet that the they just don't care. <laughs> I bet that this game <laughs> is like we're not is, updating this. We can't. No. Um, damn, this looks like it sucks. Shit. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I just want to play it so bad. Uh, well, it, I'm on GameStop here. Oh, wait a second. And it says 12-31-2023, yep. which will release sounds, at the end of the year. Sounds like a placeholder date to me, uh, but. I think so by the I can time get it, it delivered January third. By the time it comes out on the Switch, they'll fix all the problems with it, and it'll be a great game because you can fix. Are you going to buy it for? Like that. Are you going to get it for your one year anniversary with your wife? Probably. We're already planning a nice little vacation. By the way, New Year's not a great time to travel places. Just throwing that one out there. Wait, why? Money, like apparent, like we we were looking like we're gonna go on a one year anniversary in the Bahamas. Bahamas are like double the price mm. that weekend. Then we're mm. like, fine, we'll go to Nashville. Nashville, almost the same as the Bahamas. And let me tell you, That's I like rough. Nashville. It's not the Bahamas. Uh, no, no. So, no. would you? What is the Bahamas of the U.S.? Uh, the Bahamas of the U.S. is Bolingbrook. That's an answer. They got Cypress Cove. Yeah, I mean, dude, for real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next game in the Metacritic roundup here is Street Fighter VI. Holy shit. This game got us <laughs> reviewed very well. Uh, uh, on PlayStation 5, it scored a 92. On Xbox Series X, an 89. On PC, a 93. And it is um, unscored on the PS4. Uh, not there's no listing here for the Xbox series uh, Xbox one, but uh, so I don't know if it's coming to that or not, but um, game comes out in two days. So I think by the time this episode goes up, you'll be one day away from this, from being able to buy it. Uh, but basically everyone's saying like, this is a fantastic um, fighting game. And in a lot of people are saying like, it's really approachable for just about everyone. Like whether or not you like fighting games or are good at fighting games, it seems to be like good to good to play. Uh, I don't know if, like, I don't get enjoyment out of fighting games. Like, I don't know if it would be a game that I would pick up, you know what I mean, personally. But, like, this seems to be a redemption arc for the Street Fighter series after the poor reception of Street Fighter V. What do you um, think? Yeah, I think this is, like, again, the thing wrong with Street Fighter V was that it just didn't have enough content. And, like, yeah. it's, like, stories, like, the game itself, the combat, the fighting system was still a masterful fighting system. Oh, was it? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, but Street Fighter Six ups everything and makes it a feature-rich game to begin with. And, like, I, I feel like when I'm looking at these reviews in general, uh, a lot of what they talk about is the single-player story, is the fact that they made the game accessible to new and old comers. So it's not just the people who, like, know every single button combination. Um, right. But it's literally kind of made for everybody. Um, so I think, I think it's a triumph in that, in that respect. And I'm not really surprised that it's doing that well, because from all the lead up to it, it seemed like they learned their lesson from five, which I think is something not a lot of companies do (laughs) and they don't learn their, their lesson from something that doesn't get the same kind of critical, uh, success. But, um, yeah, I'm, I might actually think about picking this up. I noticed how not confident I was. I think that's the victory, man. Like these reviews are so good that they made me forget I don't like these kinds of games. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I would I would love to play this in like an arcade, or like an arcade, like on a cabinet, just to be like, yeah, this is cool. Uh, 
I would I would not personally purchase it, but um, also, hey, maybe if I were to be interested in getting into this sort of thing, that's where, I, you know, it seems like a good place to start. Um, and I think I said this last week or maybe the week before, like, seriously, though, we've got um, Tekken coming in later this year, supposedly as well. Mortal Kombat as well. Like, what a good time for um, what a good time for fighting game fans. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and and you know, hey, there's still always Smash. You know, yeah, always and Smash. I mean, like, it's not getting like I assume like getting big updates anymore, but like that game is also just like has such a long, long shelf life. But yeah, um, Street Fighter Six. Congrats, everyone! You've done you it. You did it. An achievement. And also, that is it, it's so wild too. A game that has a, a, above ninety. Like we've had a few of those this year so far. I mean, with uh, Tears of the Kingdom, Street Fighter Six. Resident Evil 4 Remake, which, by the way, that is another um, Capcom game, so they're kind of on fire right now. Um, I mean, let's let's take a look here real quick. What else uh, is above the 90? Metroid Prime Remastered. I know that might be a little... Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's that. I'll count it. I'll allow it. Um, um, did Hi-Fi Rush score above? Um, yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so a so, lot, of, lot of good games in 2023. Speaking of... Diablo 4. <laughs> oh, another. Yeah. Uh, reviews dropped for this this morning as well as Street Fighter 6. Uh, I haven't had a huge opportunity to take a look into how why it's reviewed so well. But on the Xbox Series X, Diablo 4 has received a 92. Um, on the PlayStation 5, it scored an 89. And on PC, it's at an 88. So um, a little bit descending in that uh in those reviews but it's also coming to ps4 and, and xbox one by the way but uh unscored there but i mean high 80s low 90s for diablo 4 as well like come on Th- that's that's huge uh did, have you had a chance to, to take a look at any of these reviews yeah i mean uh for it's a it's an addictive game i mean if you, you've never played the diablos no i played the diablo immortal on okay. mobile so no this is a game that I think it's a great co- uh, couch co-op game for anyone who's not necessarily like into into video games uh, as mm-hmm. well because it's just a, it's an easy if you know the kind of loot shooter thing that you got Diablo um, three really did a good job of making Diablo accessible on the couch with the controller with the way the controller was they had controller support for like the first time in the series and i think it became accessible in a way that it opened up the door to a lot of people who are adverse to pc gaming um sure. and then this game doubles down on that where they've improved upon those controls uh and they made the game as addictive as ever because i mean you yeah. always want your numbers to get bigger and um the story seems to be for one of these games, a competent enough story to keep you going a little bit with it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all of that with the quality that you normally see from this uh, uh, almost uh, uh, Microsoft uh, uh, first party studio. Um, you I mean, I think this is like I'm not surprised that this was like this. Um, and based on everything I've heard about it in the process leading up to it, um, I'm, I am. Maybe like not. Maybe the problem is I'm not like surprised by any of this, so I'm not excited. It's like when a game you don't hear about suddenly you hear is amazing. To me, that drums up excitement. But this got really high when people first started talking about it, and now I'm just like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm aware it's good, so I'm not like necessarily stoked on the same way. 
Um, but yeah, I, I I will probably pick this up and. and I was gonna say, to, so as someone who's played it, are you, are you interested in buying this? Is this like a day one purchase for you, kind of <laughs> thing, or like wait? It comes out like, at one of the worst times in my life for for it to come out. Not one of the worst times in my one life. One of the it, worst times in your life. Wow. I know. I know. Very my sad. summer. No, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's one of the busy parts of my schedule. Like if it came yeah. out. Um, like tears came out perfect time in my life i have nothing but time to devote to this game uh this comes when things get a little bit busier in my life um and i i think even like if i want to play with my wife it might not be something that happens till the end of july so i still plan on picking this up um but it probably won't be a day one purchase for me and you look at everything else here i mean i'm you know a lot of i mean there's a lot of good stuff but a lot of things coming out my friend are we thinking this is gonna be on game pass because uh, I know it's not launching on Game Pass, I don't think. But I are we expecting it to to come to Game Pass once? I think that, that would be there? silly, personally. But what do I know about business in general? I guess that's true. Um, I don't know. And specifically with it being like across like multi like platforms and stuff, and knowing that this will be such a, a good selling game, I think um, wider picture, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with the Activision Blizzard um, deal with their first party exclusives with it, um, because I think that's a huge business choice. Like you're either adding value to something or gaining um, in adding value to Game Pass, or you're gaining revenue by people buying the game that people are going right, to buy anyway. Right. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think this would be a great way to get people in on it, but um, I hope because I pay for Game Pass and I like good things on it. Yeah, that, that would not that would not be bad at all. But um, so there you go. That is the Metacritic Roundup. Justin, you want to talk about the news? Let's do it. The big news from last week. PlayStation Showcase for 2023. Uh, we talked about it in-depth extensively uh, on our Patreon-exclusive deluxe bonus show. I put the word deluxe in there in the wrong place, but you all know what deluxe I Deluxe bonus extra awesome show. <laughs> yeah. Be there or don't be there. Ultimate, right? Um, but hey, if you're interested in hearing, like, beat for beat every single game that came out and what we sort of think about it uh you can access that for only three dollars a month or hey if you just want to listen to that one episode and then the other like 50 episodes that we have on there you can just go to patreon.com slash hitbox pod and three dollars for one month that'll get you through a whole month that's you would have to listen to two episodes a day really about to get through all that in a single month if it's february but what I'm trying to say is um, PlayStation had a showcase and um, just I want to hear your general thoughts, Justin, on the showcase. And then we can talk about some specific things here. I think um, there's good announcements in the showcase. And yeah. I, I my my hesitation with the showcase has nothing to do with the games. It has to do with this being a PlayStation showcase. And I have no idea as to where Sony's direction is with the playstation 5 in the next couple years um yes it was lacking those first party uh playstation studio announcements that excite you it had first party playstation announcements but they weren't ones that necessarily excite in the same way that you would get if there was another last of us that popped up or uh god of war dlc even or anything like that it was just oddly lacking in playstation Yes, and and I think maybe we touched on this last week a little bit for our bonus show, but, um, you know, Jim Ryan came out, I think, at the beginning 
where he basically said, like, you know, we're three years into the PS5. Here's a look at what's coming in the next few years for PS5. And, like, exactly what you're saying, there just isn't, like, a lot of the exclusive stuff that you would expect from the next few years of PS5. We didn't hear anything about Last of Us multiplayer. We're going to talk about that in a second here. Um, we didn't hear anything about the multiple projects that Gorilla is working on in the Horizon universe. Um, we didn't see some of those other exclusives that we've sort of been expecting, like Stellar Blade. Um, so I don't know. Like, this was, yeah, like what you're saying, in terms of, like, a video game showcase, pretty good. But from what we've come to expect from Sony showcases... Uh, like PlayStation specifically showcases, um, there was not a whole lot that was like, wow, I'm excited to own a PS5 right now. There was a lot of like, I'm excited for the video games coming out, but a lot of them, as Xbox pointed out, pretty much immediately after the showcase wrapped up, um, are coming to, to Xbox as well. So basically, Xbox, the official Xbox Twitter account tweeted, what a good looking group, and then an image saying, coming to Xbox with a list of the games here. Just going to run through these real quick. You got Immortals of Avium, Ghost Runner 2, Marathon, which is a first party uh, <laughs> a PlayStation game now because they own Bungie. Uh, we're talking about Marathon in a second here. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Remake, uh, Metal Gear Solid Delta, however they're going to call that. Um, Dragon's Dogma 2, Alan Wake 2, The Plucky Squire, Teardown, Assassin's Creed Mirage, Neva, Cat Quest, The Pirates of the Caribbean, and Talos Principle 2. So, like, all of those, like, are some of the bigger headlines from the show. Basically, the only big headline from the show that isn't here is Spider-Man, but obviously that wasn't going to be cross-platform. Um, but just to know that all of that's coming to Xbox just doesn't make it an incredible PlayStation showcase. Um, yeah. And to be honest, entire, like, like personally, the more I learned about some of these games, at, like reading the press releases and whatever, uh, the additional information outside of just what were shown in the actual like trailers, I got a little bit less excited as I was reading about them. So like stuff like, um, uh, where was this marathon? Uh, I never played the originals. I, I knew of the series cause I'm a halo fan. Um, so as like the progenitor to the Halo series, like that was kind of an interesting, um, thing to show up, but then hearing, oh, this is going to be a, um, PVP extraction shooter. I'm just like, oh, not interested. Not that I'm not interested. Like I might play it, but like, oh, th that's not what I come to PlayStation four necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, same thing with fair games, which was what opened the, uh, the showcase. This is the new game. Uh, it's a new IP first party uh, PlayStation game uh, coming from Haven Studios, which is uh, the, the one that was open, I think, two years ago about at this point uh, from Jade Raymond, who is an industry veteran. And um, there wasn't any gameplay shown here, but then you come to find out that it's like it's another it's a PvP VE, I think, um, kind of like loot based <laughs> shooter, which is fine. But just like I don't have time for that many pvp games you know what i mean like yeah. to, to really get into all of them and i know that that sony has been interested in in doubling down on more of that stuff with their acquisition of bungie and with their the way that they're using bungie internally but like that stuff personally just doesn't get me very excited and i'm curious about people who do get excited for this sort of stuff just based on the fact that like how many multiplayer games can you play at once you know what i mean unless like everyone's goal seems to be we're gonna make the next Fortnite. And that's such a rare thing, and that's such a hard thing. So if you're banking all of your studios on being able to 
come up with the next Fortnite or the game that people are going to spend hours and hours in. I don't think that's a smart marketing strategy because the odds are very stacked against you to do that, to find that success, to pull time away from these other games. I mean, think about you're adding Diablo, which is like a forever game too that that is coming out. Another one of those games that has that name recognition that that people um, are looking to spend hours and hours and hours in. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, putting Bungie on this Marathon game, because Marathon, it's like a redo, remake of what they already had or something. It's not a remake. No, it's new. The original was, uh, uh, so I didn't ever play the original, but um, this is, let's see, it's not a direct sequel to the originals, but Bungie says it belongs in the same universe. So, I mean, to me, that sounds like they're playing off of, like, the name recognition. Oh, you know, Bungie did Marathon. We're going to make a Marathon game. But, like, it's not yeah. Marathon. And, like, even then, you don't hear Bungie people, like, fans talking about Marathon every day to be like, oh, man, remember Marathon, friends? Remember Justin, that game? Justin, we've been on the internet for so long. You know that the 600 Marathon fans are going to be coming to your house with pitchforks. Well, I'm like, like, we play Marathon every day. Like, fuck off. I, I'm sure, uh, even if I'm you sure. do. It's fine, whatever, but... My address is Google local 11. police station, Downers uh, <laughs> Woodridge um, police. But yeah, also station. like this is, with Marathon, it is specifically a PvP focused game, and does, it says it will not feature a single player campaign. So like, it's just I might try it, but right. uh, for the like that is very dependent on like what that price is going to be, like if my friends are interested in it, like all that sort of stuff. Um, so I don't know. Uh, and you you said it yourself you don't come to sony for those kind of games like that's not why you're, nope. you're on your playstation and that's not why the reason i am uh i think an unfairly uh loyal playstation fan is because they keep feeding me the games i love um they keep making not only good games that i love amazing games that i love yeah. uh and they just keep building on them and they get better and better it seems when the technology gets better and i want more of that and i get that Probably, you know, the opportunity to make more money is with these multiplayer games. But like the reality is the reason you are what you are, PlayStation, is because of your single party games. Um, and also, I don't know if like I don't know if. You know, yeah, it's it's probably a good idea to get some multiplayer games under your belt for for those, you know, people who are interested in doing subscription stuff. But like, do is it a good idea to have all of your teams making multiplayer games? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Last of Us in a second here, but you got Naughty Dog doing that. You've got Gorilla doing that with whatever that multiplayer Horizon game is. You know, you've got, um, I know that, uh, who made Ghost of Tsushima? I mean, like they threw a multiplayer add on to their game, uh, which was a pretty good expansion, but it sort of felt like they were testing the waters for like, hey, how will, um, who is that studio? Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch. How will they? How can they handle a, um, like kind of like live servicey, event based, uh, uh, multiplayer sort of thing? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like a yeah. lot of that felt like yeah. t- like they're testing the waters for that, and it's fun enough for a night or two if you've got some friends to play with. But like, it's not what I want. <laughs> like I, and that, again, that's like my personal feelings. I, it's not what I personally want. You know? Right. Right. Um, and like the pro- like, especially from PlayStation. But. Uh, uh, we we heard of another. Uh, was that last? What was the the game last week that was closing down after about a year? Like another one of those happened. Oh gosh, uh, uh, any number of them. Yeah, uh, a, Vampire 
Vampire, masquerade yeah, masquerade. So this just keeps happening because there, there's only so much time you have, and uh, I'm sorry, you can't compete with the amount of money that a company like uh, uh, was Epic, who owns Fortnite, Epic, Epic. Like you can't compete with that. No, and and it's it's like there's only so many games that people are going to be able to have time for, right? right. And uh, you know, we saw like to me, this showcase feels a little bit like PlayStation is catching up a little too late to that trend of like, oh shit, there are not enough, like the multiplayer market right now is so saturated with games that people play every single night that adding additional games onto that, like it's just not sustainable for, for a long period of time. They can't get ahead of that curve because games take so long to make, right? But you look at something like uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, that game feels like it, from when it started development like six years ago, those sorts of like looter shooter games were huge like the like live service looter shooter games were so big but then now it comes out and it's like way behind the curve right this to me feels a little bit like that where in a year or two years when fair games comes out like i just don't know if like it's going to have the the player base after the first month of launch to really sustain it marathon who knows it depends in my opinion what bungie is going to be doing if they're sticking with more destiny stuff like i don't know like are those destiny players going to give up destiny a game that they've played for what five years six years as well in order to jump ship and, and play marathon uh, i don't know i in my opinion in my if i had to guess probably not you know and if they do maybe for a little bit and then they'll go back to uh well, and that's the thing destiny, right like right, i'm sure they'll check it they'll, out they'll have those things but, to come back to um, time is a fickle thing and the, the, uh, older I get and the more things I have to do in my life, the more I have to be strategic about video games. And it's a very rare time that I have the time to put in to a video game that I have for a game like tears of the kingdom. Um, yeah. and, uh, when you're thinking about a multiplayer game like that, I don't know. It just scares me if that, that this is what gaming is going to be leaning towards, um, in the future. So please, yeah, well, PlayStation. we'll see. Remember, remember how we got here. It's the last <laughs> of us part two. <laughs> a lot of people have been saying like, wait a second. PlayStation is probably going to be doing another showcase, like a major showcase later this year. And I'm not trying to mock those people, but I am trying to say I would doubt that because they, they, they don't pull these out. Like it's been like two years since the last one of these. You know what I mean? Like they don't just like throw these showcases together. Like these are like really highly curated and highly calculated things. Right. So like a lot of people are just saying like, well, because this year's <laughs> because this showcase was so underwhelming and because there was so much that we didn't see, um, there's a secret second showcase that'll be coming at some point later, which again, I'm not trying to laugh at those people. They might be right. Cut this in two months when I got egg on my face, right. From, from them having done that. But I don't think so. <laughs> Can you imagine if after the Xbox showcase or whatever they're going to call it happens uh, for Summer Games Fest, if all of a sudden there's like a, a Sony stream that, that drops and then Jim Ryan says, oh, but there's one more thing, an actual press conference. And then he comes out and they like show everything like new God of War free to play right now. Um, they have like a new Last of Us game that comes out that Last of Us Part 3 is coming out. It's like you wonder you wonder why things Last of Us Part 3 and they drop all that stuff. It comes out immediately. And then Xbox, who is doing their victory lap, suddenly just starts just crying, 
crying just sobbing right yeah, yeah on live yeah. stream it's a it's like a live stream yeah, yeah. Um, also like i don't think that they would announce I, I mean i guess maybe but you know they announced their uh uh what is it called remote play device right their handheld remote play device like at this showcase it would not make sense for them to not put all their eggs in this basket of this showcase and like because they know that most people are gonna be watching right now you know so and, and i, I think like we'll get state of plays later this year i'm sure we get those all the time but like something of this scale i i, I would be surprised if we did and i think for the most part they're just being like you know you could look at it they're being conservative with their approach here about how they're not going too far and promising things too far in the future while also showing off their new studios a little bit rather than the ones we already know about. Like right. they, they probably saw this and are like, this is a good safe bet. It's going to have some good games in here. People are going to like, they're going to like this conference. The problem is it's just this, this internet hype that when you are announcing an hour plus game showcase showing like, you know, like what's going to be on, on PlayStation, that's when people get, these i guess false hopes but the problem with this one this wasn't even false hopes these were legitimate hopes that people had about knowing where sony was going and we just we didn't get it because i also i would say like and we've talked about this like people get so um overly excited is maybe the wrong word people like sony announces hey here we're doing a state of play we're going to talk about these three specific games and then people are like yeah so like we're probably seeing the new god of war we're probably like no they didn't say that like this like there are we're legitimate like we're probably going to see these games that we just didn't see right and we were saying this at the top this isn't necessarily a bad video game showcase like there's a lot of stuff in here that i am excited to see we're gonna talk about alan wake 2 in a second here um but like in terms of just being a playstation first party showcase is not much um spider-man looks pretty good let's talk about alan wake (laughs) uh alan wake 2 we got a release date on that um which is very exciting that is coming at uh, in, in October, the exact date is October 17th, 2023. We'll see if that hits that. You know, there like so many games get delayed and, and whatnot, but I'm hoping that it does. But um, sort of something that got snuck into an Alan Wa- the Alan Wake 2 FAQ page is that they're not planning on doing a physical release. And the reason that they say is because um, so many people have shifted to entire like entirely using like di- having digital libraries of games that in order to keep costs down and be able to uh, sell the game for $60 on console and $50 on PC that they're just going to not do a um, physical release of the game. So uh, the Twitter account Shinobi602, if you know them, uh, they tweet a lot of this like sort of game news and stuff like that, um, tweeted this out. And then THQ Nordic commented saying, uh, at Alan Wake, at Remedy Games, I mean, dot, dot, dot. We did the disc version of Alan Wake for PC back in the day. Uh, in case you missed it, <laughs> winky face. And just because one person or company does not love physical, there is still plenty who do. Uh, give it some thought. We'd love to give it a go again, full circle and all. So um, who knows? We'll see if that happens. I would like a physical copy of this game, but also um, I, if, if there wasn't a physical copy, I guess I would just be fine with that. You know what I mean? I mean, I uh, the the physical versus digital debate is becoming more and more uh, tough to talk about because it's very rare that a game comes out that the disc you get is the game that you get by the end of its run. I mean, you could even say that Tears of the Kingdom, uh, allegedly they had delayed it to do nothing but polish at the very end and like make sure the yep. game ran smooth. But we've had patch after patch come out that have changed the game slightly but significantly in certain ways. 
um, since taking out those it, exploits and stuff. Yeah, taking out exploits, polishing up some things, optimizing like nothing like that's gonna like make news, but like tweaking and improving the game based on what's happening when people playing the game. And I think it, it you might say it's lip service all day long, but it is something that is a cost to a game. And if it can keep a game in a more affordable level, so the margins are better for the for the company. It, it's hard for me to say that this is a bad thing because of how ceremonial a physical release has already become. Yeah. And it's it, it's like one of those things that I, I, honestly, like, I mean, honestly, like, I think it's great that like you still look for the physical media and people still use physical media and rely on physical media to, uh, you know, trade things back and then be able to buy more money. But that going to GameStop doesn't help the actual developer. No. And, and I'll say this, too. Like, I personally like it, but I also recognize that, like, I think that at a certain point it's going to stop. Like, I think I think this might be the first of several to just say we're just not going to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which is, you know, there's give and take to it. But um, yeah, so there you go. I don't know. Uh, I hope I do hope that they do one because I would love to have like a steel book. Are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That would that would um, go over very nicely. But um, also just on this FAQ page, if you're wondering, uh, it says you do not need to play the original Alan Wake. Uh, although if you do, y- you will have a lot more context for what happens you, in you, the game. You don't need to to watch all the Star Wars shows in order to watch a Star Wars show. But like. Well, but I mean, you know how like this game, what this is a sequel 13 years later or something like that, maybe. Yeah, 13 years later, like, you know, they did a re-release, a remastered version of the other one two years ago or a year ago. Uh, but, like, I get that they would have to make this as a potential standalone, right? So it says, Alan Wake 2 is a sequel, but set up as a standalone experience. Newcomers can enjoy the thrill ride with no past knowledge of the previous game. For those returning fans, there are tons of lore and connections um, to be discovered. And then um, it talks about control, and you need to play control, and the answer is no. Uh, additionally, it says, uh, the AWE expansion, which was the Alan Wake expansion, which we covered in the very early days of our show here. Uh, it says, no, you do not. However, fan for fans, uh, who are into the universe of Alan Wake, it's definitely recommended, but it's completely optional. So there you go. I am, uh, I am certainly excited for this. Um, in fact, this is probably one of my most anticipated of the year. Do you know what makes me the most excited about this? Tell me. Spooky game in October. Got something yeah, to play. Nothing better. I, I like when you go to see a movie and then they're showing this horror movie that's coming out and you're like, ooh, spooky, can't wait. And they're like, August. And you're like, fuck. It's like, like who's going to watch that? <laughs> you, had one, you had one job here. Um, more news from the PlayStation Showcase is the uh, Metal Gear Solid Metal Gear. remake. Um, so you are more familiar with Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid than I am. So it's called Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater. And Delta is is... To my understanding, like a um, it's a symbol that's meant to be like change. And so like they're trying to say, like, this is not going to be exactly what you think it might be. Right. Um, But Hideo Kojima was heavily involved with the Metal Gear Solid series up until um, his messy breakup with um, Konami. And he is not involved. How do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, at, at a certain point, like even if he was there, you would assume that on a remake of it, if they're just updating mechanics and graphics and systems and things like that, 
I don't know if he would need to necessarily be more than just an advisory role. But what was this part intentional? Did you want to do this kind of stuff? Like maybe he was there like saying stuff, but I don't think he necessarily needed to be there for this to work. Even if he was there, I think his role would be minimal. It's not he's not sitting there like necessarily like rewriting, redoing anything. Perhaps maybe he would be. But I just don't. He said that basically they asked, um, who is this? Yoji Shinka- Shinakawa? Or, oh, sorry. Uh, they, they asked if Yoji Shinkawa and Hideo Kojima are, go- are going to be involved with this at all. And basically Konami said, nope, um, we're hard at work on, on delivering the vision, you know, a vision of, you know, of what people remember. But no, they're they're not. Yeah. And, and like even if like but even if he, he was still in a good relationship with Konami, I don't think his involvement would necessarily change too, too much about this game mm, it, to a certain degree. You know, it's still going to be a, a remake of Metal Gear Solid 3. The things that concern me about this are that. Um, it, it, it's developed internally within Konami, right? Yes. Whom? That is my understanding. What have they done recently? What can I look to? A a lot of casino machines, right? Right. So like, what, what can I look to, to know that those people in Konami are going to have the right kind of vision or ideas for this game. It's hard for me to just assume they can do it because they haven't been just like doing it. <laughs> um, well, you didn't like Metal Gear Survive? I mean, they were like, let's get the weird of Metal Gear without the Metal Gear. Yeah, I think that was the last game they released. Let me right. Look. And so, you know, I, I think there's something about Kojima that when Kojima does something, it's cool. But when someone tries to be Kojima, it's weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, yes, it's, it's it, there's just something about like the way his brain and his art work. So I wonder if like when they're trying to, to you know, change this stuff, if they are going to lose a little something in the translation or if this is a studio that is going to make a system shock type of remake of it instead of it actually like fixing a lot of the things that could be wrong with it are they just going to slap a new camera and control system on there make it better graphics or are they going to like truly go and try to reboot this series i don't know yeah i don't know i I think what you said about like trying to emulate someone like him i think is is the real like kicker where like he is such a unique person and such a unique creative that like emulating him you can do but it's not like the final product is going to is going to be clear that it's not him right yeah um i mean you know they're they're trying to lean into this whole it's going to be different thing with they they tweeted about the delta symbol saying like like i sort of said before that it's it represents the delta symbol was chosen because it its meaning fits the concept of the remake project Delta is a character from the Greek alphabet that means change or difference in mathematics and variables and also has the meaning of changing an amount without changing the structure. Like, and to me, if someone like Kojima says that, I would be like, yo, I am excited to hear what you think, like what you were going to do with this. But just like generally Konami, like I, yeah, you, it's you, exactly what you're saying. Like, trust you, I yeah, guess. You, like, read, you just don't make games anymore. You reading that gave me blue box game studio vibes like immediately. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. It's just and like, dude, like this, that's like, exactly word what you're saying. Mix up of like, okay, yeah, all right. Um, maybe Kojima still is at Konami. Konami Kojima. Oh shit. KO KO right at the beginning. KO KO. Hassan um, Karaman was KO'd. Was, oh my gosh, by that GameSpot article that was like... <laughs> this guy's a uh, fraud. Abandoned is a, is, is a scam, yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, I think that that whole thing, like, in retrospect, like, you can 
you know, that's someone trying to emulate the Kojima stuff, right? And just like people emulation without without any real uh like it, it just didn't work. Um Yeah, nothing from Blue Box Box. since uh November third, twenty twenty two. That's actually much more recent than I would have thought. Yeah. It was them so, retweeting uh, the IGN article about Kojima not being involved. <laughs> oh, good. Great. Um, so Naughty Dog tweeted on, was it Sunday? May 26th. Uh, it's Friday. They tweeted a uh, statement uh, that reads this thusly. The Last of Us fans. We know many of you have been looking forward to hearing more about our Last of Us multiplayer game. We're incredibly proud of the job our studio has done so far, but as development has continued, we've realized what is best for our game is to give it more time. Our team will continue to work on the project as well as our other games in development, including a brand new single player experience. We look forward to sharing more soon. We're grateful to our fantastic community for your support. Thank you for your passion for our games. It continues to drive us. And that's an interesting thing to tweet because, you know, while people were disappointed that it wasn't that it did, that Last of Us Factions 2 or whatever it's going to be called didn't show up at the PlayStation Showcase, it's odd that you would get a delay announcement for a game that doesn't have a release date, right? So the big question was, why would you tweet this, right? Because, like, if, you haven't, if we haven't heard from you, we just assume that you're working on it, right? Well, 20 minutes later, Bloomberg publishes an article titled Last of Us Multiplayer Video Game Faces Setbacks at Sony by Jason Schreier, where basically um, it details that the Last of Us team or, or the Naughty Dog has been working on uh, the Last of Us factions, but that a lot of its team has been split up to work on other things as a result of Bungie, because Bungie was bought by um, Sony what last year. And they said pretty, pretty clearly, like we are hiring, we are buying Bungie so that we can focus on our multiplayer efforts. And it was kind of curious what that meant at the time. It seems, according to Jason Trier and his sources, that um, Bungie has been assessing the um, like longevity potential for all of the uh, multiplayer games that are going on, uh, that are being worked on right now by all of the different PlayStation studios, right? So you're, I imagine they're looking at um, Last of Us Factions, the Horizon multiplayer game that we've heard rumors about, um, the two uh, other games that we saw at the showcase, uh, what were they called? What was the... Game, uh, Fair Games, and then um, a Marathon, but that's Bungie itself, right? And according to Jason Schreier, that they did not think that the Factions game was going to be able to sustain a player base for an extended period of time. And so as a result, they have been split up a little bit and that, um, while they are still working on the game, as they say in this, uh, little press release here, that they're also working on their next single player game. What do you think? I I feel like it's like your new toy comes into the house and like is trying to assert dominance to be like, okay, naughty dog. (laughs) (laughs) You think you want to do a multiplayer game, do you? Well, we're Bungie, and we know all about multiplayer games. Um, I think you're good to speak on this. I don't think factions would have created a long-term player base. (laughs) No. And, and like, you know, from what they sort of said, I think last summer, they said that there would be some narrative component to it and whatever. And we've we've seen two concept pieces of concept art, but, like, that's it, right? Like, to me... They would have to do 
some pretty heavy li- narrative lifting in order to justify narratively a game like Factions coming out of a studio like Naughty Dog after what they the message of The Last of Us Part 2 was some of the messages in that game, right? I think that they would need to do some main, like huge heavy lifting in order to justify narratively why they would make a game like that. Well, in your opinion, why didn't yes. Halo Infinite multiplayer work? Um, They released the game and we were like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. We can't wait to see what comes next for this. And then the answer was nothing. The answer was nothing. And when you're thinking about Naughty Dog, yeah, they probably would release a pretty darn good game to start. Yep. But in order to get that kind of content out there to keep people engaged and excited would take the kind of manpower and the type of work that I don't think Naughty Dog is capable of. There's no knock on Naughty Dog. That's a knock on the amount of work it would take to make good content to keep your game relevant. Like, you can't do it. I love Naughty Dog. They take a long ass time to make games, and they should. But that and they do- should because their games are high right. quality, and that doesn't. And, and, and keep- there's nothing wrong with that. That's good, and I like that, and I want more of that because it means that the games are going to be better, right? Right. I would even take longer if I could never hear another story about Naughty Dog Crunch ever again, right? Take them as much time as you need. I don't like hearing about that. It makes me feel sad to hear that people were put in that position, right? Take even longer. I don't give a shit. There's other games to play, right? Um, and and like the Naughty Dog games that have stuck with me have stuck with me since I played them and I think about them all the time, right? It, it, like it's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I'm sure Factions Two would be fun, and I'm sure like you know like whatever story they would do with it, I'm sure would be probably a pretty good story. I think it would be if if they don't address the, the whole shit I'm talking about with Last of Us Part Two and whatever. I think it's a it would be an interest. It would be a little hypocritical of them as a studio and as a narrative force, but. I'm sure it would be probably pretty fun. But I just can't imagine that the people would like... <laughs> I just can't imagine that people would stick with it for that long, right? Yeah. Before yeah. going back to Destiny, before going back to Fortnite, before going back to everything else. And I think it just, it goes along with what we're saying about this past showcase, about like all of these live service games. And it's like, there's just not the, the enough people to support them, you know? And I imagine that it's also not going to be free to play, right? <laughs> It's going to be $90 because it's a game that lasts forever. <laughs> yeah, right. Just it's going to be it's going to be a big one. So I don't know, man. I, I would be. Can I say, is this controversial? Can it and just go make something else? Right. I would much rather play something else. Yep. Like, because I know that I'm not going to stick with this as a long term multiplayer game. I just know I won't. I'd be I'd be um, shocked to see you even sticking with it to begin with, Peter. <laughs> I mean, I'd play it, right? Like, I would play it because Naughty Dog makes good ass games, and I would, and I have to see what if they are going to tr- if they do this and have like narrative stuff with it. If they're going to say anything about any of that shit that they, I thought very poignantly said in Last of Us Two, but uh, this is like just can it <laughs> go make go make either Last of Us Part Three, go make some new thing, go make this Strays Cross game we've been hearing about anything. I think the reason, the real reason they canned it was because they were just making all the clickers kiss everyone instead of eating them, and it just got too much. And they're like, you know what? That's that's one piece of our canon we don't want to keep going. Or if they... Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like the only... I think I'm the only person on planet Earth who did not really like that show. 
I've never met any. I've never talked to anyone who was like, yeah, I was a little underwhelmed. I loved never. it, man. It was great. I know, Every week I know. it was and excitement. I'm, like, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that like so many people got to experience that. But I've literally never talked to another person. Am I broken? Is something wrong with me? I don't know. No, no, I don't think so at all. I don't think so at all. You you just you just love the original faction so much that nothing can live up to faction. To, to you want to know some good TV that I'm excited for today, or maybe it was last night. I think you should leave season three dropped. All right. Ooh. You would not understand about how all the new facets of my personality that are about to be formed <laughs> when I watch this show. <laughs> I like, you know, this, I don't watch a lot of TV just cause I play a lot of games. Like I just don't yeah. like, I just would rather play a game. It's a little bit more like engaging for my brain. Like I cannot get enough of, I think you should leave. I'm so excited to start it. <laughs> I'm glad you're excited, Peter. Thanks man. Let's him Robinson write a video game. He was in that high on life game. Great game. Let him write a game. I would think that would be so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'd play it. I'd probably like it. Put Tim Robinson in 12 minutes. Have him take over for Willem Dafoe. What he would immediately just start with the sibling fucking, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> he wouldn't even wait. Fair point. That game sucked. Anyway, uh Sony's been in the news. I mean, it's just been a full week of Sony. Uh there were rumors going around. That CD Projekt Red was going to be purchased by Sony. Um, I don't know where that started. Uh, hey, Peter. I, yeah. I heard CD Projekt Red was going to be purchased by Sony. Oh, my gosh. That's how it started, huh? Yeah, we started <laughs> Just it. Just people saying shit, right? Yeah, like, right. I think, I think you know, um, there's pros and cons to the way that, like, games are covered right now. You know, about just like there's a lot of inside information in like anonymous sources and whatever. But like if you have a Twitter account with, you know, whatever, however many followers, you can just say whatever the fuck you want. Like you can just say it. Right. And like people people have come out and said that they did. There was that one guy. I don't remember who he was. He was some YouTuber. If you remember this, like he revealed like or he got caught that he was a leaker, like that he was leaking all this embargoed information and then like admitted to it and apologized and whatever. And like said, like, yeah, I would just pretty frequently just make stuff up and like you just do that because that gets a lot of clicks and whatever right and, and retweets and whatever but on the other hand i remember listening to um the uh that kojima podcast brain function you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. the episode where he talked he addressed um the blue box game studios like stuff with abandon and whatever and he said like you know there's all sorts of rumors that death stranding 2 is happening and you know, no one ever asks me about them. They just they just write the article that rumor says. But if you ask me, I would tell you that it's not happening. And then like one week later, Death Stranding Two is announced, and he shows up at the Game Awards and he's talking. And it's like, could you like, fucking why people don't ask you? Like this Genius. is why because you, you're gonna say no. Because he was what, probably yeah. like he was probably like you know what I should do this week? I should probably get Death Stranding Two going. And then in that week, he just went he up cut and cut together that trailer real yeah, quickly. He's like, yeah, he's like, I yeah. got this. I got this. I'm yeah. Kojima. <laughs> But yeah, so um, rumor had it <laughs> that Sony is buying CD Projekt Red. And so someone, I don't know who this is, uh, they are, I guess, a YouTube content creator, according to their Twitter account, um, at Last Known Meal, tweeted, people, uh, people asked me to talk about the recent rumors of Sony buying CDPR. I didn't want to bother with it because it's not happening. It's possible, but it's not happening. That is like the 10th time that rumor is floating around ever since Cyberpunk 2077 pre-release date days and someone named ola sondage who is uh 
uh, PR representative for uh, CD Projekt Red, uh, responded and just said, yeah, we're not in such talks with Sony. So, you know, that's not necessarily like a um, an official statement, but it is someone from the company who would know saying, no, it's not happening. But if they would, would that matter to you? No. It's not no, going to change the world? No, I don't care. Okay. Uh, like, What if Sony acquired Remedy? Would you care? Uh, but like, would I care? No. Like, I, like not really. Uh, it wouldn't change anything for me, right? Like, the only reason that it is, it is, I think, worth really talking about with like Xbox is because it's just like, this will change things because I will be able to play this game the day it comes out on Game Pass. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever. Um, uh, I, yeah, I don't, like, I don't think Sony owning a company or not will significantly change anything in my life. Would you, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I, I think a lot of these acquisition stuff is just like, it's just conversation starters and stuff. And obviously they're doing it to add value to their company and make sure that they're, they're building their company. But like, it's more than just like, we got to beat Xbox. Like it's more than that. Like they're not going to, they're not looking just to acquire studios just in order to make sure that game pass doesn't take over them. They are looking to build the PlayStation brand. And if acquiring CD project red ends up being the thing that would build the PlayStation brand, then make that choice, but like, don't they shouldn't just do it because it would it be fun to have an exclusive from CG Project right on Sony. They're not just making those choices like that. Yeah, and I also think like um, they like uh, I, I think a lot of the time like people love to talk about these like acquisitions because people like think like look at it like it's teams. You know what I mean? Yep. You're either team Sony, you're either team Xbox, whatever. Like, and and I just don't care. <laughs> you know, I just I'm just I just want to play good video games and I want to play them on platforms I like. To be frank, I'm team whatever's plugged into my main TV. You know what I mean? Yeah, like no, right now, real. right now my PS5 is there, my uh, Series X is right here. Thank you, Redfall. Another reason why you're fucking Microsoft. Um, <laughs> but like, sometimes it just it depends what I put on and like start blading through the games and I'm like, oh okay, I'll play this game today. I think if they did buy. Uh, CD Projekt Red and then made whatever their next stuff is exclusive, I think it would be very much like, well, <laughs> interesting you do that based on what you've been saying for the past two years with this whole Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition stuff. But Oh, right. And and taking Cyberpunk or the next Cyberpunk sequel off of PC and Xbox doesn't seem like a smart business decision to me. I mean, no. what Sony did with Bungie, to me, beautiful, smart. Yeah, we'll, we want your expertise. We want you on our portfolio. We want you technically to be Sony, but you keep doing you. You keep running. You put up, make, make as much money as you can possibly make. And you know what? Destiny's everywhere. Sony's doing it. You're welcome, everyone. Yes. And marathon too, right? Like that's coming to Xbox. Like, did you just say marathon? No, I, I said I said. Uh, Des- you said Destiny, Destiny right? Destiny, yeah. But yeah, but marathon even, which is a, uh, I wonder, yeah, it, it, which is a, it's it's a. I don't know if they have any obligation to put it out on Xbox, but they should because that's where like you're gonna have a, the biggest possible community. You know what I mean? Yep. For for a game like that specifically, but a Sony first party game on Game Pass—that's never happened before, right? What's that? MLB The Show? <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, that might be the only one though. But then you know we had that weird sort of thing where like Ghostwire Tokyo and uh, Deathloop, true <laughs> PS5 ex- exclusives. You know what I mean? Xbox owned. But 
There you go. Justin, we have 10 minutes here at the end of our show. What's going on with Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom? Why do you fucking do that? 10 minutes, man? I've been bursting at the seams. Everything we've been talking about today, I've been like, how can I connect this to <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom? Like everything you're saying. Um, this game's awesome, man. I beat it, though. Yeah, it's so good. You hate it? I beat it. You beat it? I beat how long it. did it take you to beat it? Uh, last time I checked my clock, it said 50 hours, and then I probably had okay. another like six hours dealing with some endgame stuff. Um, I, oh boy, like, where do I go with this? Um, I, I'm still sitting here with the question, do I prefer Tears or Breath of the Wild better? And yep. it's a weird choice to make because I will tell you that there's almost everything is better and bigger in Tears of the Kingdom. But there mm-hmm. was something so uniquely focused with how focusless Breath of the Wild is. This game does not give you that same kind of feeling. No. And you were also saying that, like, before we started recording, that you did some stuff out of order, mm-hmm. out of, like, the critical path order. And, like, you know, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom do that thing where they're like, you can do it however you want, but you should probably go here first, right? Right, and right. from what you've told me, Breath of the Wild, because I did it all in the order they told me, Breath of the Wild, it, it works just fine doing it like that, whereas this game, a little bit less so. Yeah, yeah. And they do they do a bunch of gating off progression, um, so I'm going to give a slight spoiler to people here, and I mean very slight. I'm going to mention the fact that there's a specific element in front of the word temple. I think you're fine. Okay, there's a water temple, everyone. I've spoiled what? the game for you. I've ruined it. What? So, I'm not even going to fucking play anymore. I know, I've just ruined everything for you. So I um, could not find out how to progress the quest forward to get the um, water temple unlocked. Um, in fact, the water temple was the second place I went to immediately after the Rito Village. I progressed the quest pretty far until I got to this one part, and they're like, you got to get on the fish and shoot the walking land thing. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and like, Oh, yeah, yeah, where they get that little riddle. Yeah, there's like a little riddle here, and I don't know if you de- dealt with this correctly. I had to look this up. This was the only thing I had to look up to understand what happened, and it was like well into my playthrough. Um, so I'm like, you know what? I know where the dumb dungeon is. I see the water temple. I'm going to it. I'm, I'm just going to go oh, yeah, to it. Oh, yeah, you can't do it. Yeah, so I built a, uh, 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 I'm going to call it a dirigible, but it was a lot of rockets, a lot of fans, <laughs> and a lot of, uh, zonite charges that I put into me in order to make sure that I could make it to this. And I make it, and all of a sudden I get to this weird thing where I like hit the like the the outside of the temple and I kind of go through and all of a sudden I'm like oh that was weird turns out there's different gravity in that thing yep. so like went through didn't even realize that go through that and then I'm getting up 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 I had like a sliver of my battery left a sliver Peter and all of a sudden it says the water temple it pops up and I'm like I'm not gonna make it great I saw it but then I come back after being introduced to the water temple my batteries had all recharged I was like Fuck yeah oh, nice break that shit so then I get up there. Um, I, I launch off my dirigible, land into the temple. I go to the, the Zonai circle thing. I press it, and it starts lighting up green. I'm like, yeah! And then I get there, and all of a sudden, there's a red X through it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it again, because clearly it was something I did wrong the first. I press it again. Same thing. And I do it again. And I'm like, what the fuck happened here? Turns out you need to actually complete the damn quest and bring yes. your little water buddy up there with you in order to make it work. But yes. 
I couldn't progress the game even though I had used the tools at my disposal. Used a lot of my tools, by the way. All of my dumb Zonai devices that have been saving yeah. up are gone at this point. Um, yeah, I could reload the save, but I only do that when I get stuck in the opening area. Um, so I uh, got, got there, and it didn't matter. And eventually, I, I kind of like cheesed it a little bit so i never actually completed the path up there because i like jumped off the temple got one of the shrines in the sky so i could just like fast forward to that point once i actually finished the thing looked up how to get there because i was so mad and then i eventually got to the temple and got through the temple um but like this game is really funneling you through a story in Mm -hmm. a way that is frustrating because they're not funneling you through the story in terms of the cutscene and the stories (laughs) and like when you're trying to gather like the tears and everything to get the full story it is like uh, even if you go in the order they want you to go and you're missing a bunch of parts of the story it's missing a bunch of everything here and there and like it's just like not as like i really don't feel like it's as you see that thing up in the sky you can go there because you get there and you can't progress because you didn't do something right before that whereas in breath of the wild i felt like legitimately if you could find a way to get your body to a place you would have something there and you could do something there. This one, there's been multiple times where I got to a location and had been gated off from progressing to that location because Mm -hmm. the game wasn't ready for me to be there. Yeah, and you're not the only one I've heard have that issue with the temples. I heard that you can get to the, uh, like you can get to the the, uh, wind temple uh, without without getting the Rito sidekick. And when you get there, same thing happens where it's just like, and it doesn't tell you what to do. Right. And you can you can kind of infer, like, oh, I should probably go do that quest. But, like, people, I, I was doing another podcast that was talking about this, where they were saying, like, I would have, I wished the game would have done something, either said something, like, like that, that Rita would have showed up, shown up, and then just been yeah in, in your, on your team. You would have to just, like, skip that whole other thing. Yeah, I get it. And, and that is a bummer. And I'm sorry to hear that, that it was not, um, that it is, is feeling less open-ended. Uh, and I do under like I definitely know what you mean. I haven't encountered issues like that, but like there are definitely like those sorts of things. That fish tier puzzle thing, I was on the verge of looking it up, and then because I've been doing this a lot, where like I've looked up one thing for this game, and it was like I, I wanted the master sword, and I was like, where is this? <laughs> and because I because I look I did my due diligence, I looked some stuff, like I I thought about it really hard because that's been my solution for a lot of these things of how do I do this? Well, I'm going to think about it really hard before I look anything up. Cause I've been really not looking anything up. I was trying to get through the lost woods. I'm not going to tell you how, but I was, I thought really hard. I'm like, okay, going this way doesn't work. Well, what if I did this? What if I went from this angle? What if I went from this angle? And the second thing I tried got me in and was definitely the way to get in. You know what I mean? Like that sort of stuff was like really, really rewarding. And so like when I figured out that fish solution, the the fish island whatever solution i was like thinking about really hard and i was like oh that's what this would mean and so i looked on the map and i found what i was looking for and i was like yep that is without a doubt what that thing is talking about that said i totally get what you're saying and i totally understand that that would be so frustrating and i imagine that it felt so unrewarding to be turned away after using your creativity to bypass a problem in the way that it allows you to do in every other part of the game. Yeah. And to be clear, I'm, I wasn't upset with the puzzle. I was upset that I found my own creative solution for right. it. And then exactly. it like just didn't reward and me that it for wouldn't it. Let you. Um, one thing I just, I, I realized I felt this more than I felt in 
uh, Breath of the Wild, whenever I would play the older Zelda games, my favorite parts were the moments between dungeons. When you get to a new town and you find all the stupid stuff that's going on in the town and you deal with those things and you find the heart pieces hidden in places, you see all the, the chickens flying around Kekarika Village, you're like, what are we going to do with those? You see heart pieces, and then you, you discover all that stuff. And I always felt like dungeons were stops of progression, in those original games, but this mm-hmm. one, you get stuck in the middle of a dungeon. There was a point where I had three dungeons going at once. Yeah. Three of the temples going at once. And it's not that I necessarily got stuck. Me trying to get unstuck of one dungeon led me to the other one, which led me to another one. And it just kind mm-hmm. of like made me move around in in like really interesting and unique ways. And like, yeah, you can get stuck in this game, but there's always something to do when you're stuck. That yeah. helps you out. Um, we were just talking about this too uh, off the mic. Like a, a perfect example of why this game makes shrine hunting so much better than Breath of the Wild. Because I feel like some of the ones in Breath of the Wild were a little bit arbitrary. Like when you're looking for them, like where are they coming from? This yeah, one, first fresh. of all, you're, you're shrine detector will tell you if it's below ground when you're like looking for yes, it when it's clinging, which is awesome. It's helpful. But also the depths. It is kind of like a mere version of the world above it. And what that means is that when you see a shrine in the uh, above world, there is one of the light roots below it in the underground. Mm -hmm. And it really has made my exploration of both the depths and above ground really kind of connected in a weird way because they can seem very separate worlds and separate ways to engage with it. But I just love how me doing something in the depths is making my progression up up in the real world more interesting and better because of just the way it's all working together. And they do such a good job of giving you something to always be doing to move forward in progression. And yeah. it is it's just really such like... I beat the game, but I could still play this game for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and get something out of it without just getting stuck. Whereas once I beat Ganon in uh, Breath of the Wild, I felt like, yeah, I could do this. But like I didn't feel compelled to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Specifically once you did the Terrytown mission, I was like, well, why do I need to do anything after this? But yeah, um, it's just great. I mean, where where are your your thoughts on it? Um, I played it probably like almost 60 hours. Uh, You've said you've played a a few more than that. So I'm... uh, past 75 right now um and i like i just can't, I, like here's the, the crazy thing is like i'm at 75 but like i still feel like i've only like started to really get my bearings of where everything is in the full map you know what i mean and like there's so many areas where like i know that i haven't explored that i'm like oh that looks kind of interesting i'm gonna put a pin in that and like we'll come back to that you know what i mean um I, like i just keep going and keep going and like I, I just haven't run out of stuff to look at and stuff to turn over and, and find and whatever um, cause like I did a lot of stuff in the depths in that at the beginning of the game. Like I cleared out a lot of that map and then I haven't been back down there for probably 25 hours. And then I did a quest today that sort of took me down underneath. And now I'm like, there's still a lot of stuff down here that I still have to see the sky islands. I've not done a whole lot in those yet either. Like there's plenty of stuff that I'm like really, really excited to get to as I continue playing this game. And I know that it's going to just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm just like, I can't get enough. It's almost weird because one of my suggestions to people playing this game would almost try to follow the main objectives without getting too straight off the main objectives. Because 
that if you're not careful, you're going to sequence break stuff in a way that makes the game and the story worse for it. So outside of outside of getting to the temple early and then not being able to go in and like complete it, whatever, how else would you say that you could sequence break it in a way that is unsatisfying? I don't necessarily want to get into too many because I would say these are spoilers for beyond where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way a lot of the the quests resolve, um, first of all, you're going to waste your time if you don't wait for the game because there's still like some certain things that are dependent on those main quests to change, um, mm-hmm. like the environment that you're in. But uh, the Master Sword example, I think, is one of those that... Yes, I, I don't feel like my time with that was better than what would have happened if I just waited to get the Master Sword. Sure. I, if if is that there, makes sense. Interesting. So, I mean, I could go. I don't want to go into too spoilery yeah, for the I, listener I like about like that process or anything like yeah. that. Um, but trust me, we will have a spoiler episode and I will tell you about my fucking time getting the fucking master sword yeah and why i was i thought i was so clever during this whole thing and then once i realized the story takes you there anyway i'm like well why did i do that to myself (laughs) yeah Um, that's unfortunate and that's not to say like you you shouldn't follow side quests when you get them i mean if you're just like that thing looks fun in the sky Mm -hmm. that could potentially ruin a later experience for you by getting there like pop in the water temple before you actually pop the water temple ruined that reveal for me because it was just like, I wasn't focused enough on that and it just took sure. me out of the story a little bit. But, um, I would say, I would say like they really do a good job of making a more engaging story narrative, um, throughout this game than breath of the wild did in a way that I think services a, a traditional Zelda game way better than breath of the wild. And, and I think the problem with that is the trade-off, right? Yeah. Of more, you know, more funneled narrative means you have to funnel. Whereas the more open-ended, like, you know, laissez-faire narrative means that it's just, it's not going to be a major component of the game. Right, you know? right. And and, um, and so I think the issues you're having is those two things sort of, like, clashing a little bit. And they're very clever with how they try to gate you from cheesing the systems and stuff like that. Um, an easy example is some, there's some caves underground that are wet all the time so you can't just climb everywhere Mm -hmm. and yeah there's ways to get around that if you have the right suit or the right elixir or anything like that but that's still like an extra step that you have to do that it kind of like at least limits your your overall exploration of that world and they funnel you in interesting ways um even like the wind temple how they go about making sure that you can't just like ascend through the floor in every location they do a good job of designing the mechanics of that moment of that temple around knowing what you can do uh i just these these people are so clever with their puzzles like it 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 is just it astounds me how they can come up with with some of these uh things do you um do you have that sticky suit yet is that the one you get from all the uh the journalism stuff yeah i don't have it yet but i know you can get it and I know I've got, I've got one piece of it and I still slide down in the wet in the rain. Oh, it's probably uh, like the burn suit that you need all three pieces of it in order yeah, to do or it. The, or like the like each one reduces how much you slip by a little bit. But it like just by makes the time it you have all three. Yeah, yeah. 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 But um but damn, I love this game. This is this is like this has been a good like I thought last year was like not I was not blown away by it in terms of the games that came out. So far this year, I am I'm eating good. I'm having a good time. 
I, if this was the only game that came out, I would be like so happy. Yeah, about I mean, it. But, my, my, like Breath of, Breath of the Wild sequel, my bar is there. But like it, the, for them, for other games to raise this bar, you know, Rising Tide raises all ships. Except if it's a I've sunken never heard ship. That, I've never heard that s- phrase before, but I fucking love it. Thank Justin. you. Did Thank you make you. that up? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Because no, like, holy shit, that was like. Pro- that probably something me. my mom said that I thought was normal until until right this that moment. That moved me. I loved that. <laughs> Um, that's all we have to say right now about the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, but don't get it twisted. We're going to talk more about this video game. <laughs> we will. And that's a threat and a promise. It's a promise threat. Um, before we wrap up here, though, here's a reminder to jump into our Discord server. The link to that is in the description of this episode. It's also all over our Twitter, which is twitter.com slash hitboxpod. Or at HitboxPod, we're at HitboxPod. Find us there. Tweet at us. Let us know your thoughts, your feelings. Could be about uh, Doritos, Dorito flavors. In fact, that's what I want you to tweet at us about or sound off in the Discord server. Uh, Justin, you're chewing a chip right now, but guess what? Editing Peter here, I've removed the chewing sound. So you're not. So if you're listening to this right now, you don't even know what I'm talking it's about. It's not good. It's not good. The, the, was it the mustard one you had? It was a mustard one. I was sitting on my desk the whole time. I'm like, maybe it'll be Ugh. better. Maybe it'll it, get now that the air will season it. Yeah. Um, but uh, sound off on Twitter or in our Discord server telling us your favorite Dorito chip. I personally want to know. Mine is the uh, like the spicy cheese one. I'm I like that a lot. Washing the flavor out with the ketchup one. With the ketchup one. And I just watched you put that in your mouth. And editing Peter here again. Editing out you chewing that. Like It tastes um, like ketchup. Is that good? Is that what you want? Mm, specifically? Uh, they're telling me it's tang ketchup, and if it tastes like yellow, that's not good. This yeah. is ketchup. It adds. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give that to you. Um, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash hitboxpod. Become a $1 podcast producer or a $3 deluxe podcast producer like Jay Noel and like Dave Parker. Get those bonus episodes. Uh, Justin, am I missing anything here? I feel like we're at the end of our show. They say enlarged enlarged to show texture. I never thought about eating a Dorito and like being like, I wonder what its texture is like. You know what I mean? Do you ever think about how you could look around at every single thing in this room, in the room that you're in and uh, you know what it would feel like if you ran your tongue across it? Specifically, if it's a Nintendo Switch game, <laughs> like I know exactly, <laughs> like the vivid in my memory, like yep. that. It's it's for there. Real. It's deep in there. For real. Thanks so much for listening. We will catch you next time. Always remember, old games are old. Bye. Bye. I'll stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>